So I'm here with my daughter, Sarah, who is home for the Thanksgiving holiday from grad school. She lives about, how far away are you? About four hours away? Four hours, yeah. And we want to talk about Sarah's experience in her new church. It's an interesting experience to be a pastor helping your daughter find a new church home. Uh, Sarah, you moved out of the house. You left the nest and started school in August. And I went down there with you to help you move into your apartment. And after we got all moved in, do you remember sitting with me at the laptop on a Saturday night and we were shopping for your first home church away from home. So a bit of background, you've been a part of the church your dad and I have pastored for nine years. And it's a, (laughs) by modern American standards, it would not be what a lot of people would consider a quote unquote cool church. We're not very hip as far as all the latest technology, a lot of the bells and whistles that larger churches have. We're a very small church. Why did you choose to stay? First of all, Just for a bit of background, why did you choose to stay at our church, even though, you know, countless times I've told you and your sisters that you're not obligated to stay here and serve with us in our church. Um, You're free to go and find your own church. What made you decide to stay at our church and not only stay, but be so active? I mean, you have served for the whole nine years. You have labored and helped us. You started out painting uh, when we first moved into our old building, and then you have served as the visual media specialist at the computer, putting words up on the screen. You've helped maintain the church website and the social media page. Why have you stayed in this small rural church as a 23-year-old? Well, I've been there since I was about 12, I think, is when we started the church. And probably when I was younger, at first, it was just kind of the thing to do because I was a kid, you know, I was doing what my family was doing. I wouldn't really consider doing anything else because that's where my family was. I was young. I probably maybe took the church a little bit for granted when I was younger. But, you know, growing up in that church throughout my teen and young adult years, I kind of realized more and more the older I got that it really is a community, very small, but everyone knows each other. That's like the good thing about small churches, in my opinion. You really get to know everyone, so there's not really anyone that you're not familiar with unless you have a new visitor on a Sunday. So you go and, you know, everyone greets each other and everyone knows what's going on in everyone's lives because we're pretty close to each other at that church. And so it's kind of been like my church family up until now at 23. So I I did at one point think like, oh, maybe I will go try another church here in the area. This was like when I was still living at home and doing school here locally. Uh, I thought maybe I should try another church that has more people, more people my age, see what else is out there. I did try visiting another church and I just realized it wasn't really for me because it didn't have that same sense of authenticity and community. So yeah, I stayed at our church for that sense of community and to be where my family was, to be in the area that I've grown up in. And yeah, so like the big change has come uh, now at 23, moving away for school, having to find a different church and hoping for that same sense of, of community, authenticity, and belonging, kind of like a family. And so I want to take this opportunity right now to personally thank you for serving for nine years by choice in your mom and dad's church 
I, we could not have done it without you. You have been a tremendous help. And I want to say thank you to all the young people out there, especially the PKs who are choosing to stick with their mom and dad and help them in their pioneer church. I want to say thank you. And God takes note of that. I think there will be a re- I know there will be a reward for you in eternity that surpasses anything you can imagine right now. And for that matter, for anyone who is an active part of your church and, and you just go in there and you roll up your sleeves and you serve on behalf of every pastor, <laughs> thank you. So let's get back to last August. We were down there in your new hometown where your grad school is. We got you moved into your apartment. And then that Saturday night, we sat down to go church shop. Church shopping online. And it's it's an interesting experience because I saw right away how important an online presence is for a church. I saw, we both saw mm-hmm. that people really do judge a book by its cover when it comes to looking for a church online. I mean, the way the website is constructed says everything about a church. And, you know, I mean, I've, <laughs> and you will, you will understand this as a fellow grammar nerd, I've been even turned off a little bit by churches that use bad grammar in their posting and their taglines and so on. That's just a personal admission. But so we started shopping for a church and we were we were able to find one pretty quickly online. Do you remember that? Do you remember that experience? Yeah. What were some of the things that do you remember made us very quickly and easily eliminate a church as a possibility to even visit? Well, I remember some of them, it was just hard to find out anything about the church. Maybe they didn't even have an official website. It was just maybe an old Facebook page or something like that. So, but most of the churches we looked at, we were able to find out some something about them based off of their website presence. And I know that there were some red flags on some of the websites we looked at under their about section, like their belief section, where maybe they had like very, uh, I don't know how I would describe it, kind of traditional, I don't know, complementarian type of views, or maybe an overemphasis on a very particular point of doctrine that um, wasn't really a priority for me or for you, and it kind of maybe just gave us a weird vibe or a red flag about that church, you know, something that they emphasize, I guess, more than than we would in our own uh, beliefs about what a church should be and should do. And so that was something that maybe would make us want to keep looking for a different church. Kind of like also like looking for a restaurant, if you want to talk about like shopping online. We also looked at like Google reviews from other church visitors, but I think really the websites were the most important thing. Seeing the, the pictures and the videos and just how a church presents itself as far as what they believe, how they approach church and present, you know, Christianity to people who are searching for a church. That was definitely the most important thing. Yeah. Looking online for a restaurant is a good comparison. I mean, we're literally looking for the best service. (laughs) So, yeah, it, it was interesting to note the things that made us eliminate a church as a possibility. For instance, remember there was that one church and right on in their uh, right on their website, they had an entire page dedicated to their protocol for church discipline. In other words, this is what will happen if you really screw up. This is how we're going to handle it. Mm -hmm. This is this is how we approach church discipline. And and that that was an immediate no. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) but just to have that as one of their distinctives was really strange. 
we eliminated those churches and, and we finally landed on one that the th- the first thing that caught our attention was it was a man and wife as co-pastors, which that's what you're used to. That's what your dad and I are. And so we kept reading and we liked everything we saw. We liked their vision statement. And so we decided to check it out, right? So this church happens to be a large church, kind of the size and style of what you were describing previously as being the church that you had visited and decided it just wasn't for you. But it's it's what we found, so we decided to go check it out. And what was your first impression? My first impression was that they really care about how they present the gospel. I think that was that was one thing. We went on an interesting Sunday where they were doing an unusual sort of speaking style where instead of usually the pastor uh, doing the speaking, it was him and his wife sitting down and doing a Q&A. So they were talking and gathering questions from the audience, and it was very, very approachable. I remember being just very struck, uh, especially by the speaking with how practical it was. Everything was made practical for day-to-day life, was very understandable, very approachable, kind of a way of making messages make sense and be very interesting to your everyday life. So like, I, I really liked that. And just the service in general, I think, was really directed nicely towards uh, visitors or people maybe who aren't used to church in general. Just the way that they explained everything and were pretty conscious of not making anything seem too too weird or too crazy, you know? And as a pastor's kid, I've kind of tried to be more conscious of that myself. It was like, what does a church look like to a visitor, to someone who's new? So I, I appreciated that they are conscious of that in their messages, the way that they explain things, and just the service overall, like the music, very upbeat and inviting. Everyone seemed to really enjoy being there. I guess that was my, my overall impression when we first went. What was yours? Yeah, the same. And then afterward, we made a point to go introduce ourselves to the pastor, and Mm -hmm. we instantly liked him a lot. He's just a great guy, very down to earth, extremely welcoming. And so I felt as a mom, you know, I felt very good and happy that you had found a church home on the first try. And I was able to drive back home four hours away and just be feel really good about this church home that you had found. So fast forward, here we are. That was what, September, October, just about three months later. Tell me about what it's been like in your new church as far as feeling a part of the church family, feeling welcomed. Tell me about what that part of it has been like for you. So having spent, uh, like you said, about three months attending there now, I honestly still feel like I'm new at the church. I still feel like a visitor every time I go. And it's this kind of a, a strange sensation because I definitely feel welcome to attend there. They're very welcoming towards, um, you know, people who want to attend their church. So I, it feels, it feels nice to go there. And I absolutely love the pastor, love the speaking. I get a lot out of the messages, but it doesn't really feel any different from when I first started attending there as far as, like you said, joining 
the church, being a part of the community there. And I think that's probably because I haven't really found a way to easily fit into the circles of conversation there and really get to know anyone. Honestly, the only people that I've really talked to there are a couple of the pastors, like the pastor and the pastor's wife and like one other pastor there. I've spoken to them a couple times. I love them. They're great. And if they see me, they say hi. You know, they remember me. They're very nice. They're great people. But it's been it's been really difficult trying to really feel like I'm a part of the church because it's just, it's different from what I'm used to. And I realized over time, I, th- I think one of the things that's so difficult is that I'm used to our tiny little church back at home that I grew up in that has this like kind of coffee bar breakfast station that we do every Sunday which is great, obviously, right? Everyone loves free food. That's like the best part of church. That's what I always joke about. But really, it's great because it, it makes it so easy to talk to people and catch up to people before before and after the service because everyone's hanging around and everyone knows each other and everyone's like talking and like really actually talking, you know, not just like small talk. But it's um, it's a it's just a really easy way to talk to people and to get to know people. And I've kind of been used to that from our church. And now here, you know, it's a bigger church. There's more people um, at this church that I attend now. And there's not really the same, like, kind of breakfast situation. So I'll I'll go there and I'll get there just a couple minutes before the service starts. And, um, you know, a lot of this is on me because I'm an introvert. So I'm not the type of person who it's easy for me to just go up to someone and, and start a conversation Although I have been trying to do that more because I like to try to, you know, get myself out of my comfort zone. That's what I've been doing. And the service starts and then I, I sit through the service. The service ends and everyone's kind of in their own circle or in their own conversation of people that they know, things that they're doing or, you know, everyone's leaving. And so then I just end up leaving. So it just kind of it feels like the same thing every Sunday where I'm a new person there and I'm hearing this great message but I, I don't know anyone there, and I'm not sure how exactly to fit in. I've thought about, you know, maybe I should try to, to volunteer somehow or join a small group or something, but I don't really know how to do that. It's, it's weird to try to, try, try to start joining something like that when I still don't even know anyone there. So, mm. yeah, it's this weird feeling. So you've told me, I remember after you had been there for about two months, uh, we were talking on the phone, and you said that to date, no one had approached you after church or before church and introduced themselves to you with the intent of getting to know you. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, there was one of the, uh, like, assistant pastors there did approach me to kind of uh, hang out with me this one Sunday after church at the request of the main pastor who already knew me because we had introduced ourselves to him. So he, like, organized this kind of a, a get-together with, with me and a few other people who were already planning to hang out after church. So that was really nice of them. But other than that, those those couple pastors that I've, you know, seen around a couple times, I hung out with them that one time. Other than that, yeah, no one really will, um, you know, has really talked, come over to talk to me or try to get to know me. And I don't know. I mean, I've kind of, I just, I just take it with a grain of salt. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I feel like, you know, oh, I, you know, they can't tell that I'm new because there's a lot of people here and there's probably a lot of new people here. And I don't know, everyone's busy. Everyone's doing their own thing. But it is, it is weird, I guess. Yeah, just walking in and feeling like 
I'm surrounded by all these great people, but also kind of just like they can't really see me. And so you told me that in order to make more of an effort on your part, you actually showed up early because they they do have kind of a coffee hour like we do, right? And Mm -hmm. so you went early to that thinking maybe that's what you need to do in order to be noticed or have people reach out to you. And so what happened then on that day when you went early for that reason? Not much. The coffee hour is more of just uh, there's a coffee station and people will grab coffee and then go into the service. So there's, there's not a lot of people hanging around to talk. And I don't know. I've tried talking to people, but it's just it's just difficult. Yeah, I didn't really I didn't really go anywhere. I didn't really actually meet anyone. I might say hi to the greeters and stuff like that. But yeah, nothing really had changed. Interestingly enough, uh, we have a friend, a family friend, who moved away at the same time you did, and he had been attending our church, and he moved out of state and started attending a new church, and he wrote to us uh, several weeks later saying that he still did not feel like he had become a part of that church community. He He still didn't really feel a sense of belonging, and I can tell you this breaks my heart on two levels, both as a pastor and a mom. It's very heartbreaking. And it's all too common. And I can speak for the American church because this is where I've grown up. I can't speak for churches in other parts of the world. And maybe someone listening in who lives in another part of the world especially in very different cultures and more uh, cultures that are known for hospitality. I would love to hear from them and, and hear how common this kind of experience is in churches there. But let's talk about, first of all, you know, there's, there's someone is going to say, well, to some extent that is on you, Sarah, because you have a part to play, you know. And I, I have heard people say, to me before, well, you know, I was I was going to church, but I stopped going because people just weren't friendly enough. And yeah, there is a part of me, and this is very nuanced, you know, it, it can often depend on the person's personality. I don't think it's all on one side or the other, the side of the church or the side of the, the visitor or the attendee. I think there are multiple things going on, but yeah, there, there is a part of me that at times when I hear that complaint, I've thought, well, you know, that's on you or that's partly on you or you could do more. So I think there is truth to that. But the fact is, as you've already said, you're an introvert. I'm an extrovert. I remember one time I was visiting a church out of town, had never been there before. I walked in. And, you know, they had the whole greeter thing down. I call that greeter syndrome. It's kind of like going to Walmart where you're greeted with a friendly face and a smile. But then that's it. That's it. You come in and they have done their their greeting, the token greeting, and then they are there simply to provide a literal service for you. And then you are expected to go home and come back next Sunday and leave something in the offering box, if you will, please, and thank you very much. And there's never a sense of belonging to a family, which by definition is what the, is, that's what the church is. It, it, by definition, it's a family of believers who are growing in relationship together. Uh, So if you're missing that sense of community and belonging and that feeling of being welcomed into a family, 
and accepted for who you are, then I, I think something's awry, very much so. And so, and another, here's, a, here's, here's the flip side of the coin. I've heard someone on the other side of this say, well, I'm an introvert and I don't want, I don't necessarily want people gathering around me at a new church I'm visiting. That's just weird and awkward and very uncomfortable. I want to be left alone. I just want to go and sit and listen and then leave. And there are people in that category, but tell me as an introvert, what is your expectation? What would be your hope? What would you have wanted to happen in the past three months at your new church? Yeah, I agree absolutely, first of all, that there's a balance where some of it is on you as a visitor to get to meet people and to be involved, and and then some of it also is on the church to be welcoming and to be inviting, and there's there's a balance there. And I also agree that, yes, there can be the opposite problem on the other end of the spectrum, especially for introverts, where maybe we don't We don't want to be attacked by friendliness and whatever. And I think part of the draw is whether it's authentic or not, because I I have kind of felt that um, weird sense of like a shallow, like, oh, we're going to try to make you feel welcome and we're going to talk to you and, and get to know you. But it felt like it was a performance sometimes, like it feels like it's not, it's not really people being human actually trying to get to know you. It, it feels like they're putting on a show or that I don't know like they're they're trying too hard or something and maybe I don't know maybe that's what it is that can be too much for someone who's very introverted attending a church but for me personally what I would want to see is just people being themselves being flawed human beings who are trying to find like-minded other like-minded individuals with this these similar beliefs who are, you know, the the one thing that we have in common is Jesus and the church and who are trying to become closer while they are in the same space, sharing, you know, sharing this space. So just just that sense of genuine authenticity in, in conversation, just like anyone even just taking the time to to get to know like who I am like why am I here in the area as a student like why am I attending this church and like what's my background and you know, someone that I would be able to to call a friend honestly like I, I would love to just make friends at this church someone that I could like recognize and and, ha- and share a share a moment with at like you know on a Sunday when I'm there visiting well not <laughs> visiting attending but it still feels like I'm visiting because I haven't had that kind of authentic conversation or really getting to know someone and vice versa, if that answers your question. Yeah, in other words, you want to feel like people are genuinely interested in knowing Sarah Bogdan. Who are you? Who are you? Who is this new person? So back to my story that I I forgot to finish. When (laughs) when, When I was visiting that church out of town, I went in and, you know, I was properly greeted. But then after that, there I went and sat down, and I was early, and and the place was pretty full. I'd say there was there were probably a hundred people there. Nobody came over to greet me, and I was taken aback. Now I consider myself more of an ambivert, but perhaps next to you, I'm an extrovert, and my extroverted side came out. I got up in this very strange place and I just walked around and started greeting people and welcoming them to to their own church. It was a comical scenario. I just felt so ridiculous, but at the same time, 
I felt like this has to be done because what if there are other people sitting here who are also first time visitors? And if nobody's going to greet them, well, I guess the visitor's going to greet them. <laughs> so I, I remember walking around before service, introducing myself to people as though I was a regular and they were visitors. And it was just a funny and odd experience that I'll never forget. But all of this comes at a time where your sister, Anna, very recently had a very different kind of experience. And it just brought all of this, all of these thoughts concerning this to the forefront of my mind. And Anna's experience in Thailand, where she's living right now, is such so much in vivid contrast to what you are experiencing in your church. So here's what happened. Uh, She said to us that the other night she went out to a hot pot restaurant in Bangkok. She's living in Thailand all alone. She has uh, no family there. She's trying to make friends. But here she was a stranger in this and one of the largest cities, certainly in Thailand. And she's there eating by herself in this restaurant. And this young couple notice her and they're sitting there celebrating their anniversary. They could have justifiably kept eating and enjoyed their time alone together, but they saw this foreigner sitting there at a table eating alone and they actually went over and invited Anna to eat dinner with them. Mm -hmm. And she did. And they all had a wonderful time together. And I saw that the girl, this young woman, posted a video of their dinner time on on Instagram, and I was able to see that because she tagged Anna in the post. And as a mom, I wanted to message her and say, thank you so much for reaching out to my daughter so that she doesn't feel so alone. And that just stands in such start, such a stark contrast to the American church today and what is all too often the experience of believers in church What does that mean when a person feels more welcomed and befriended as a stranger in a foreign land outside of church than they do here in church as a Christian? What does that mean? So I want to say this, though. I want to make it clear that I'm, I'm not suggesting that our church has this nailed down and that we have an edge on friendliness. I think a lot of this, like I said earlier, this is so nuanced and there's a lot of things that come into play. And God has certainly wired some of us differently than others in a way that we this just comes natural to us, that we just we naturally know how to create community. Right. Yeah. Your dad, who is, you know, he's the senior pastor of our church. I co-pastor along with him, but he's he's the administrative pastor. He is not naturally wired this way. Now, he is easily one of the most likable people you could ever meet. I think anyone who knows him would agree with that, right? He's he's very likable. He's He has no enemies. He's just a very easy to love, easy to like kind of person. But when he is at church, let's say we always get there early. And so let's say he's at church before church service starts. The way his mind is wired, especially as a very left-brained person, You know, he works in the field of science. He's very detail oriented. And it's hard anyway, I think, perhaps harder. Maybe I I don't have uh, scientific proof of this, but it seems like it might be harder for men to multitask than women. Or maybe it's not a man and woman thing. Maybe it's a personality thing. I don't know. But once your dad is in his zone of 
working out all the technicalities at church. You know, he gets there, he's got to set up the video camera. He's got to connect that to the nursery live streaming. And he's being called upon in all directions. And so he's in his business mode and it is not natural for him to multitask in a way that makes him have these eyes in the back of his head like I do, where I, I'm constantly aware of my surroundings and who is there. I, I'm That's always going to be in the forefront of my mind. It's not in his. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing about him. It's just different. It's He's just wired differently so that I will very often walk up to him mid-conversation. He might be standing there engrossed in a conversation with a buddy about hunting. And very often I will have to come up to him and politely interrupt the conversation and and whisper to him and say, hey, um, would you mind going and talking to so-and-so? Or can you sit with so-and-so for lunch today? Because we have lunch after church. Most uh, most services, we have lunch after church. And I, I'm the one that kind of nudges him in that direction. And he's very glad to do mm-hmm. it, but he's not usually going to be the first person to think about it. tells him that there's a new person there that he didn't notice. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll say to him, uh, hey, can you go talk to, uh, we'll say, Joe? And... <laughs> he may even say, who's Joe? Um, well, honey, he's the man who's been attending our church for the last few weeks. <laughs> you know, I mean, that might be a slight exaggeration. Mm-hmm. And it's it's no ill will on his part. It's not that he's consciously wanting to ignore or neglect people. He's just wired differently. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, as pastors, we have to be very gracious and very patient and very understanding and realize that not everyone is wired the way Faith Bogdan is, where I'm, I'm constantly on the lookout for the Sarahs, right? For the person who's sitting there alone. And yeah. when we have potluck dinners, for instance, I will, I'm usually the last to get my food. And it's just because to me, talking and conversing always trumps eating. That's just the way I am. I'm willing to skip a meal if it means I can have a conversation. <laughs> so I will finally realize, oh, okay, I probably should eat. So I'll get my plate and then I will walk out of the kitchen of the church and and I'm standing there at the entrance to the sanctuary with my plate of food. And I have found myself in this dilemma where I I wish I could clone myself because I see this person sitting over there. Oh, but then there's someone over here. And it's this awful feeling of panic. Like, what Mm -hmm. am I going to do? There are people here and they're alone. And again, this is not at all an indictment on, on the people at all. As I've said, your dad is also someone who needs a reminder. I just think we are, part of it is is our personal wiring, our personality, but I do wonder how much social and cultural conditioning mm-hmm. comes into play, where as Americans, we are individuals. We have a very individualistic society, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just ingrained in us that, you know, we kind of have this unconscious lookout for number one, although we'd never put it this way. But when you put that in contrast to the experience that Anna had in Thailand, where this couple just naturally, without even thinking about it, apparently, invited her to join them for their anniversary dinner. So I think there is a lot of a lot of room for reconditioning and reprogramming. And if we call ourselves Christians, we really, really, this is something that we need to work on. Well, part of it is also this desire to avoid awkwardness or avoid being intrusive, both on, I think, on the part of the church and on the visitor, which is part of our culture, because that was reminding me of my experience trying to figure out where to sit at 
at this church just for the like the service when I go into the auditorium I remember the first few weeks that I was attending I sat always in the same spot on the far side of the church and I wasn't really getting to know anyone I wasn't really talking to anyone and I eventually uh, maybe halfway through the semester I figured oh maybe I'm just on the wrong side of the church maybe this is like maybe this is like not the right place to sit if I want to meet people maybe I have to go over to the far side maybe it's popping over there so I I switched over one Sunday because I saw like, oh, it looks like there's a few, there's more people my age over there. So I would go in and try to sit somewhere else thinking maybe I'll be able to talk to people over here. And it almost felt like once I, if I was sitting somewhere, people didn't want to like come and sit like right next to me or they might be in the same row, but like at the far end of the row, like they didn't want to, to disturb me. And I can understand that because I myself, if I went to pick somewhere to sit, I usually wouldn't like go and, and sit right next to someone. So part of it was on me not wanting to intrude or be awkward and invade someone's space. If I, you know, I don't want to go, I I shouldn't go be like right next to another person that I don't know because maybe that's awkward. Maybe they have someone else that's supposed to be there. And yet at the same time that I, I was wishing that someone would come and sit next to me. So it's this interesting, interesting nuanced thing like you were talking about. Yeah. You know, the reason why we've we've got to figure this out is because if you are still feeling like a stranger after three months and you are a you're a beautiful American girl you're a grad student and you know there's nothing about you that should give anyone pause and make them hesitate to come get to know you and yet you're still feeling like a stranger in your church well what is that going to mean when people who don't necessarily fit the status quo or fit into the good church girl mode. What does it mean when they come into our churches? When someone comes in wearing a burqa or a turban or a man wearing a dress or, you know, a homeless person or someone who's obviously been drinking too much. If we can't make your average all-American good church girl feel welcome, then how do we think we're ever going to be able to rise to meet the needs of people who, quote unquote, look more like an outsider? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yet we purport that that's our mission, right? We, we, we claim that we're on a mission to save the world. And yet we, <laughs> we got to figure out how to take care of our own before I think we think we can ever expect to make outsiders feel welcome. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what do you think we need to do? How can we address this problem proactively and in a way to just make the church a more hospitable place for people? I genuinely don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it would help to just to to talk to people to make them aware of this in the first place to make sure it's on people's radar. I don't know what we would need in terms of church training, church reconditioning. Uh, I really don't know. I guess all I've got so far is, first of all, we need to model it. And then, you know, people learn by repetition. So, and, and I try to do that in a very positive, affirming way. So rather than having the whip out and beating people over the head and slave driving them into submission, I try to frame it as thank you so much for the way you all reach out and you're so friendly to people because I, I'm trying to, to call them up to something that I, I know that they're Positive capable of. Positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement, <laughs> right. So, and, and I do need to say, I do, it's very important for me to say that, and I might be a little biased, 
But I do believe our church family is um, overall, it's one of the friendliest congregations I've ever seen. And I think we're known for that. And people say that about us. I hear it over and over. But there's always room for improvement, most especially if we want to be able to reach people on the fringe Mm -hmm. and people who look and think and believe and talk and act differently and dress differently, vote differently than we do. We we really need to get a handle on this. Um, I think at the end of the day, we need to get to the root of the issue, and that is understanding what the church means in the first place. And that could be a whole other podcast, right? Just the meaning of church and how I think it's because in the American church, the modern American church, it's run like a business and a corporation or an entertainment industry. I think that all comes into play and has to do with why people feel left out. I think if we get back to the original meaning of church in the book of Acts, where it was this vibrant community, this this family of believers that really grew in an authentic relationship, if we get back to that, then I think that I think that's where we need to start in order to become the welcoming church that God wants us to be. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you for having me. <laughs>